Hello, and welcome back to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alerts podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Seth Bodine. And I'm Isabel Robles. So, Seth, I was kind of talking to Michael, our editor, this morning a little bit about this, but it seems that fall season is quickly approaching. The leaves are changing. That's, are they? Yeah, I saw <laughs> one on the ground today. <laughs> there we go. I was like, oh no, it's here. But we were kind of talking about all the different businesses that you get because of the fall, like paintballing zombies, pumpkin patches, all kinds of other things. Corn mazes. Corn mazes. Haunted corn mazes, haunted houses, otherwise known as scary houses. Do you have a favorite? Was that like something you did a lot growing up was all the fall? Oh, yeah. I still do. There you go. What's your favorite? Uh, pumpkin patch. Really? I need to find. I need to find the perfect pumpkin. That just seems like such a. Oh, it's like a ritual. It's like it's like it's going out with friends, and then usually they have. I I see the face you're making. <laughs> I just feel like this there's is the face so of judgment. Much, yeah, it is. I feel like there's so much more. I feel like there's so much more that you can get out of fall than just walking around a field looking at pumpkins. Not that I begrudge it. I think that's important. But to be a favorite, I'm a little skeptical. Well, I like corn mazes, too. Okay. Yeah. At night or during, the, like, scary ones or just for the... Oh, yeah. The spooky ones and the regular ones. Spooky season. Yeah. I'm ready. It is upon us. I hope. I hope. <laughs> but we should probably start. <laughs> yeah. First, we'll hear this week's headlines. Then we will hear from Jason Harrington. He's the founder of Spray Simo, an event in Kansas City that highlighted spray paint muralists. Oh, that's a fun twist. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, Seth, you had an interview to share this week, right? Yes, I talked with Rachel Anderson. She's the director of the E-Factory in Springfield. Okay, so what's going on at the E-Factory right now? Well, they're a resource center for entrepreneurs and recently received a federal grant that will allow them to expand. Oh, okay, cool. I'm looking forward to it. After that, we will hear our digits, the important numbers this week in entrepreneurial news. And we will debut our new segment for the fall, so make sure and stay tuned. But first, the headlines. A new startup owned by the same parent company as Google will be finding its home in Kansas City. Replica, an urban planning tool, recently moved from product to company and will be headquartered in Kansas City. The company has $11 million in Series A funding and anticipates hiring in both Kansas City and its engineering base in San Francisco. WeWork, which operates co-working spaces across the globe, is postponing its initial public offering, which was planned for this month. Reuters reported last week that the company would seek a valuation of 10 to $12 billion, significantly lower than its January valuation of $47 billion. WeWork's parent company has raised a total of $12.8 billion of investment since its start in 2010. WeWork has one location in Kansas City and is scheduled to open up new locations in both Kansas City and St. Louis. A St. Louis EdTech startup launched a new program providing $50 million worth of test prep to high schoolers. Varsity Tutors has now online prep courses for the ACT and SAT tests available nationwide. The company said it established the program to provide college testing prep for all. Varsity Tutors was founded in 2007 by Washington University graduate Chuck Cohn. 
A California-based retail shop announced it's bringing its first physical location to the Kansas City area. Liverpool, Los Angeles, a lifestyle and fashion brand, is establishing a pop-up shop in the Oak Park Mall. The company has a hybrid model where they bring wholesale items to 1,200 stores nationwide and sell online. It will have a soft opening at the end of November. Missouri Business Alert reporter Naomi Kling took a trip to Kansas City last week to check out some spray paint art. Yep, she attended Spray CMO. It's a festival, now in its third year, that celebrates expression through spray paint murals. The event took place in Kansas City's Crossroads Art District and attracted mural artists from across the country. Naomi talked with the festival's founder, Jason Harrington, about why he started the event and how spray paint artists fund their work. Here's that story. My name is Jason Harrington. I'm the founder and director of Spray CMO, which is a mural festival in Kansas City, uh, just seeking to expand just creativity through the arts and especially public art to get, to generate public interaction as well and uh, further this the phenomenon of art, especially in our city, and uh, preserve creative integrity while we do it. That's a big one for us. The first year was really exciting. You know, I was when I did these interviews, then I was just talking about how I knew that was going to be the only time I was going to have that much excitement for it because it's more of like the possibility of it happening and then like pulling it off as like something else. And then as you get into it and more people get involved, it becomes more work, but then you can have a bigger impact and you can do more things. So you just try to think of what you hold dearest because you have to make sacrifices as it grows. What have some of those sacrifices been as it's grown? Uh, you know, more people's opinion on how things need to be run, so you kind of have to dig in your heels a little bit and explain your point of view and words that other people understand. And being a painter, I think, you know, I understand why I need to preserve these things on my end, but having people understand that and why they can't just have what they want on buildings is a, a tough thing to come by. And also to tell why we can't take buildings we can't do that on. So you create murals and art for a full-time job. Would yes. you say that is something that most of the other artists here do, or do you, would you say, on average, most of them have other jobs as well? Uh, no, I'd say most of the artists we bring in are full-time artists. Okay. So for me, in this festival, we'll be able to provide flights, uh, housing on top of the food, and the $500 cash to everybody at the end of the trip is like phenomenal. It's really gonna set the tone for how these festivals should operate, because we're all professional artists, this is how we make our living. I charge way more than that. So it's like even to get it to a thousand, a thousand a person would be phenomenal and we'd probably be known around the world as a premier event that takes care of its artists. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit about the sponsors? Um, so how you guys are paying for everything, who's paying, yeah. how that works? Uh, more than happy to shout out my homies American Shaman CBD. They are paying for the festival 10 times over and then uh, Herc Reynolds, instrumental in making this happen. They've given us all the lift equipment we can handle. And then we also have uh, Four Hands as our sponsorship for alcohol and taking care of our artist needs to uh, relax at the end of a long day. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about 
kind of the thought process of the businesses who decide they want to have a mural on their walk and how it benefits them? Uh, through a commission, you know, it's a great way to exp for exposure on your business. You know, sign painting is a good way. I know it's limited in our city. In our, like in Kansas City, you can't have sign like uh, advertising on larger than 10% of your building, which I feel really helps putting the murals up because if you can't advertise, then art's a great way to fill that space that could be tagged on. I feel I've made my own cliche and always say we don't have mountains or an ocean here. We got culture and food and sports, right? So we really embrace the culture, especially in this neighborhood of the crossroads, stretching to downtown and midtown area. So to have this kind of thing to do separate than what others might get to do in different areas, it really adds a different dynamic to our city. As artists, you guys are kind of like small business owners. Yeah. Um, so can you just talk about the struggles of being kind of a business owner yeah. of your own work and also kind of the benefits of that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's like any other small business. It's more glorified in that people pay attention to it in a way that I think most people don't look at other people's small businesses, but I do all the emails, I do all the meetings that you do. I sit down and have to write schedules out. When I do bids, I have to think of construction cost and like what I need to get done. It's all the little things everyone does. So even though like the Instagram flash is what most people respond to, it's typically, you know, a full-time job like anyone else does. For someone who wants to get into this business and be a full-time artist, do you have any advice on how they can kind of get into the business and into the industry? Yeah, if you're really wanting to paint murals specifically, I mean, go beat down doors, like find these spaces. You gotta build a portfolio, people aren't just gonna give it to you. So make sure you really know how to talk to people. Don't be afraid to talk to them. And uh, you know, go out there and take every opportunity you can and do it for free. And then as soon as you're getting paid, never do it for free again. And then you just gotta keep that mentality and know your worth because that's the only way you're gonna make it is if you know and stick to your values. If you have that feeling that you hate your job, you probably do. So quit. You know what you love to do, so go do it. You're the only one holding yourself back. So just strive forward, believe in yourself, and that's where you're going to get where you're going to get. Thank you to Naomi for that story. So Seth, tell us a bit more about your interview with eFactory this week. Sure. The eFactory recently received $1.2 to expand its building. Oh, wow. Okay. So where will this money go toward? Well, they're currently at capacity in their building, so they're using the money to expand the building to make more room for eFactory's startup accelerator. An eFactory statement says the grant's being matched with $1.2 million in local investment, and it's expected to create 360 jobs. All right, let's take a listen. So our building uh, used to be, among other things, but a, a manufacturing facility. So it's been uh, a turkey our poultry processing plant. It's been home to Big Chief writing notebooks where we're made here. It's been a U.S. postal sorting facility and all kinds of things. And uh, prior to us purchasing it, so we, we started in March of 2013, uh, it ha actually had been in an abandoned building. And so we, uh, as Missouri State University, uh, really looked at how we could expand into the footprint and, and really bring uh, life back to the facility, but then also 
help create, you know, jobs uh, that were displaced when the building was shut down. And so um, opening our doors in 2013, we have 31 private offices on the first floor, uh, as well as a co-working space. We do business consulting and training, professional development leadership training. We have an accelerator program, a whole host of of different offerings and have been, uh, like I said, fully occupied for about two years now uh, in our private office space and have needed to expand. We've just honestly run out of space on, on the first floor with what we have. And so this grant is going to allow us to expand to our second floor. What do you think this grant means for eFactory and the future of the accelerator? So for for us, you know, we've really looked at how can we scale our operations and serve more people. And so, you know, it's pretty rare uh, for for programs like ours to be fully occupied in terms of office space. And so we've really looked at how can we help um, more people in our community. And so we truly have an economic development goal. You know, we report up at Missouri State through research and economic development. So we're always focused on how can we create more jobs in our community? How can we create higher wage paying positions? How can we, you know, retain really smart and top talent here in our community? And how can we attract people to Springfield? And so um, I truly think Springfield, Missouri is the best place in the world to start a business. You know, our Community is so collaborative. We have so many really key uh, community partners through the professional and business community, through our uh, city leadership, through our chamber leadership. And so this is just a sign to me, uh, you know, that that you know the, the timing's right uh, for, for, for people that want to start a business or want to grow their business, um, but the resources and, and really the model that we have works. A few of the eFactory cohorts have already graduated. What have you seen in terms of results for earlier cohorts? We've, we've actually had 17 companies go through our accelerator program, which is really exciting. Uh, 41% of those have been female founders and 41%, so same number, but different companies uh, have, have been minority founders. And so we're just really excited about all that they um, have done with us. And so when you think about early stage startups, uh, you know, four years, or and for some of them, it's really just been a matter of months since they, they graduated the program. It hasn't been a really long time, but are proud of the successes that they've had. So some have received follow-on funding. Um, some have, you know, obtained some really great customers and clients. Um, one of them who was on our first cohort, Eagle Speak, has actually been acquired by another company. Uh, and so uh, it, it's been really neat to see how quick uh, they've been able to grow and expand uh, because of resources they received through our accelerator program. You just had a demo day for the new cohort. What did you learn from that group? Yeah, so this group was really awesome. So we had companies um, that, that really ranged uh, across uh, the, the, the spectrum doing lots of different things. So we had a company called Modbox who um, actually is making the world's first smart drone case. And so um, Justin Cardoza is a drone pilot and has worked for um, a lot of really awesome you know, TV networks and done all types of work, but saw an opportunity uh, to, to make a smart drone case that actually helps charge uh, your devices and easier to travel with and, and you can track it and do all, all kinds of cool things. And so Justin, um, you know, really was an early stage startup company, Justin and his wife, Chelsea. So they came to us with, with just an idea, um, kind of an, you know, 
kind of like a, a blueprint of what they thought it could look like, but really a lot of domain experience and um, were able to match them up with some resources. And then they actually had their first prototype by demo day. So it's really cool to see what all is possible within three months. Um, we had a company called called Fletch, which is um, the, the founder of that is Marquette Burton uh, and really helps with attendance tracking. And so that was a neat one. Um, to, to be a part of. Obviously, we're you know part of Missouri State University and, and higher education and education is, is what we do. Um, so that was really neat to learn from him about ways that you can help kind of track um, attendance early on, communicate with students, and uh, really help make sure that they're set up for success. What do you think are some of the hurdles or challenges in Springfield for entrepreneurs? So I would say, you know, um, we are the third largest community in, in the state of Missouri. And so um, sometimes we don't have maybe as much resources or you may not have as many investors uh, that exist in like a St. Louis or a Kansas City or others. Um, and so I think our community has just gotten together to, to figure out how to solve some of those challenges. Um, and I think, you know, so some, some of it might be uh, logistical Another piece is our region truly is really growing. So sometimes there's not, um, you know, necessarily uh, you you really have to, to source talent. So that's something we're really intentional about is how do you um, really make sure there's opportunity for, for top talent here. So come to Missouri State, get real world experience. Uh, while you're a student, you can also work at a startup company and then you can create your own company and, and continue to grow it here. And so I think, um, you know, Whatever problems or, or situations we've encountered, we've really tried to figure out how can we address them and overcome them. And now it's time to share our digits, the numbers that matter to you in entrepreneurial news. What are your digits this week, Seth? 190,764. Oh, that's kind of a mouthful. It sure is. 190,764 is the number of jobs created in Missouri from 2014 to 2018 thanks to startups. This is according to the Show Me Jobs report by Mo Sourceling. According to the report, startups are responsible for almost 80% of new jobs statewide and are responsible for 7% of employment across the state. Check out the full report at MissouriBusinessAlert.com. Yay for entrepreneurship! Yeah, entrepreneurship. What are your digits, Isabel? $9.4 million. This is the amount of funding the Danforth Plant Science Center recently received. The nonprofit research institution out of Creevecore announced it received $8 million in funding from federal agencies that have been rewarded for projects led by scientists there. Danforth also won a $1.4 million investment from a fellowship program that supports scientists from underrepresented groups. Hey, Isabel. What time is it now? It's time for this week's Closing Thought, a new segment where we share with you some advice from entrepreneurs. That's right. We have started asking entrepreneurs about the best piece of business advice that they've now applied to their work. Here's Rachel Anderson again. I think the best piece of advice I received was when I was a student at Mizzou. Um, one of my mentors, her name is Vicki Ryback-Wilson, and she was a state rep. She also worked in the fellowships office uh, at, at the University of Missouri and has done just a tremendous amount for 
um, so many people in, in our state, obviously also a um, business owner herself. Uh, and she really gave me the advice of do something every day that gets you out of your comfort zone because you're going to relate to more people. And I think it is so easy to do things that you are familiar with or that you're good at and continue that. Uh, but if you really challenge yourself to get outside of your comfort zone, try something new, go to something that you might not otherwise go, you know, ha have gone to, you're going to meet more people, you're going to have more opportunity, um, you're going to see the world in, in a different way and be able to relate to more people. And so that's something that um, as a college student, she shared with me and I, I really tried to put into practice then and try to continue every day. And that's all for this week. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Seth Bodine and me, Isabel Robles. Our theme music was produced by Elliot Bowman. We'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye. Au revoir. So long. Au revoir. Crevoir. 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 Crevoir.